his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. KCBS Radio, original podcasts. When the COVID-19 pandemic shuttered campuses across the country in 2020, the social and academic impacts it would have on students were expected and dreaded. Kids are back in class now and with their friends, but three years later, a new study has revealed that students' progress in the past year is still coming up short. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mallory Somera, and this is Bay Current. The NWEA is a research-based nonprofit that creates academic assessments for pre-K through 12th grade students. In the new study released today, the organization says, quote, the achievement gains during the 2022 to 2023 academic school year fell short of pre-pandemic trends. This is after billions of dollars in federal relief funds that were put towards attempting to make up for that pandemic learning loss. And for middle and high school students, the study shows that reading and math progress has stalled. Now, educators are tasked with repairing this, in addition to playing catch-up in their classrooms. So what's it going to take? On today's Ask an Expert segment, KCBS Radio News anchors Eric Thomas and Margie Schaefer got some answers from Meg Honey ethnic studies and history teacher at Northgate High School in Walnut Creek and adjunct faculty member at St. Mary's College and University of the Pacific. So we knew that it was bad that the students were behind, but it's even uh, continuing on, I guess. Yeah, the data that has been recently released from these national assessments um, certainly gives us all an opportunity to really um, think about and reflect how students are being served in our classrooms and also where um, the tremendous work still lies ahead. Um, I think there's not a whole lot here that is surprising uh, for those of us in the educational space, um, reflecting on the immense challenges of this last school year. Um, For those of us who are parents, uh, watching our own children continue to navigate really challenging waters, um, there uh, certainly uh, is a lot that still needs to be addressed, um, reimagined, and and done in our uh, school spaces. How do you explain the scores actually getting worse? I um, I think that there's um, a lot of lessons here. I think um, as we are looking at the data that was um, you know released here in this week, 
one thing that we really need to put um, focus on is that learning, particularly after such a tremendous disruption, can't simply be sped up like an online video. We cannot, as a society, cram our way out of um, a year or more of significant learning disruption. I think um, the road back is going to take a lot more time, maybe more time than all of us expected or wanted. You know, I'm, I'm even hesitant to say uh, the road back because I, I think that this moment is really providing us an opportunity to critically evaluate processes and practices, curriculum, and the many parts of public education, and perhaps radically imagine what might be possible. Um, and we really need to find solutions that are nuanced, that are specific to uh, various school communities and our students, um, and really um, think about um, ways that we are serving and best preparing our students for the next step in their academic journey, college, career, et cetera. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work. Um, I think, you know, as we're considering things like summer school or targeted tutoring, collaboration with community colleges, test preparation, these are all really um, wonderful avenues to, to best prepare students for academic success and to ensure meaningful learning outcomes. But we also really need to um, critically explore how students' um, income level and their um, parents' educational um, experiences and encouragement all of the other factors that influence these test scores also need to be on the table um, as, you know, the measures and markers of, um, you know, how these assessments uh, exist and how, how the results are, are produced and shared publicly. As you mentioned, we sort of wish there was a fast forward button you could hit and just make up all that lost time. But uh, in the study, it says that what uh, students would need an additional four and a half months of instruction in math and an extra four months in reading to catch up to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, how reasonable is that, that a kid will get that relatively quickly? Yes, I, I, you know, I, I, like I just said, I think that um, this idea of finding a really quick solution or bringing students back to whatever um, level uh, test score would be uh, acceptable in terms of determining, okay, our students are really meaningfully learning and understanding content. They are able to read and write and communicate. They're able to um, demonstrate high levels of understanding in mathematics. I think we need collectively to perhaps calibrate what, we, what our expectations are um, there are so many other factors that are contributing to these test scores or other standardized markers. And um, I think that certainly as we've come back from the pandemic, back into in-person learning, we are also contending with a variety of other challenges. Um, the student absenteeism rates since Students have returned to school. I mean, if you look at any data around student absenteeism, it is the highest it has been. Um, we are all very much aware of our young people's screen and phone dependency and how that is providing tremendous interruption 
um, to you know, basic learning of, of reading or engaging and being resilient in terms of academic challenge. Um, and I think that other factors also need to be considered. How are our educators being supported and trained to really serve students who have experienced high levels of trauma? How are we supporting teachers in ensuring that they have the skills and resources necessary to support English language learners and newcomers? You know, the very real day-to-day -day realities of what exists in a classroom and then what ultimately show up in these standardized test scores. So I think the, um, the answers and the solutioning, um, although you know, there's high expectation that we would have bounced back or that we would have seen gains um, returning since we've been out of this sort of distance learning model for, for a year and a half or two years, I think is going to take significantly longer, particularly as we're looking at some of our most marginalized and vulnerable students and how they are or are not being served. Yeah. And it seems like it seems like it's, there's multi problems. It just gets bigger and bigger the way that you describe it. And absenteeism, um, that's especially troublesome because you know we work so hard to finally get back into the classroom and then now kids still aren't showing up. I wanted to ask you about how this might impact kids essentially for a lifetime as I look at this, because we're talking about elementary and middle school students when we're looking at these scores. And these are you learn a foundational block and then the next builds upon that block. So as a state or maybe as individual districts, how do they address this? Yes, exactly right. Um, how are we ensuring that at every level of their educational journey, our students have what is necessary to um, advance, to be able to engage their understanding in new and different ways um, and not continue to exist in a, a journey where they are not um, able to fully uh, lean in and be part of um, an educational experience. Um, I think the answer um, or the, the solutions um, require a tremendous stakeholder investment, educators, parents, community members. Um, I think that every school community, based on the students that are in <laughs> these uh, classrooms, need to really critically address who their students are, what they are noticing, and develop really targeted solutions. So does that look like um, a specific reading intervention program for um, a particular subset of, of young people? Does that look like a tutoring program that is set up to really ensure that students have those really basic necessary fundamentals to move to uh, the next level? Is it um, engaging with local community colleges um, or industry experts to develop pathways for students who might be interested in a, a different avenue outside of a, a four-year uh, college experience. The solutions are going to require innovation and nuance, and they're absolutely um, dependent on, you know, uh, in, in engagement and investment from many different people. Um, and I think that you're right, though. We need to ensure that our students have what they need at each level so that they can confidently step in to uh, the next step of their journey with the skills and competencies and knowledge necessary to be successful. And let's not forget parents. They have to lean in on this as well and not just 
leave it up to uh, folks like you and other teachers to, <laughs> to handle things, which seems to be an all too common problem. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I also, um, you know, I'm, I'm an educator and I'm also a parent and I, I feel all of the things. I mean, we are also navigating some really tough realities. Those of us that live and work in the San Francisco Bay Area and are trying to, um, you know, ensure that um, our, our children have what they need. And we have, we're looking at things like inflation and we're looking at a, you know, contentious political climate and we're looking at, um, you know, environmental challenges. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stresses on parents um, as we are expecting, you know, them to really be present and engaged and part of um, what their, what their children's educational journey looks like. But um, yes, it is, you know, a child's success um, is uh, wholly dependent on engagement from all parts of uh, their life, parents, teachers, counselors, coaches, and I think even the broader community. How are we talking about education? How are we elevating and affirming and honoring educators? How are we ensuring that as we, um, you know, vote on on ballot initiatives, that we are um, allocating really specific resources to our school communities. All of these things are necessary for success, and then all of these things and factors are what show up, you know, as our students take these standardized exams. There's an ethnic issue to this too. It says uh, nationally, Black and Hispanic students more likely to have attended schools that stayed remote for longer, often recorded greater losses compared with white and Asian, and they now more have more ground to make up. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, one of the you know the most profoundly important pieces of of data and evidence that we have been looking at really critically um, is who was uh, the most detrimentally impacted by the pandemic? And then how do those um, experiences continue to be present? And you're exactly right. I mean, we, we see students in under-resourced areas, predominantly black and brown students. Um, we see students who were um, living in rural communities without reliable internet. Um, if if um, families did not have parents with you know, an educational experience to lean on. They might have limited academic support at home. And so all of those factors contributed to a very specific pandemic educational reality. And then, yes, have um, more or less paved the way for tremendous challenges coming back. And so when we look at possible solutions, it is absolutely vital that our ways of serving students have to be as personalized and specific to who these students are as possible. And that is not an easy task, particularly in school communities where resources are, are, you know, really uh, scarce. Um, But you're exactly right. As we're looking at the data and statistics around very specific groups of students, the question is very present. What is exactly happening to ensure the academic success, the meaningful learning outcomes for the students who have been most impacted by this tremendous disruption. If you'd like to take a look at this study from the NWEA, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Bay Current is a production of KCBS Radio. Subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.
His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.